when you first got to the varsity football team at Fort Ben Austin High School, who was that first person to kind of kick your butt and welcome you to the varsity level of competition? Oh, man, you know, there's a long list, but I can start with, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, we went down to Angleton, at Angleton, yep. you know, and uh, and we were, like, thinking we were pretty good because we were coming off, like, uh, you know, a 10-0 JV season as juniors, yep. you know, brand new school. Yep. We thought we were good, right? You know, some of us played varsity at Kempner as sophomores, and then we go, you know, you know how it goes. So we go down to Angleton. I tell you what, there's some grown men down there at Angleton, uh, especially <laughs> that year. And there's this, there's this kid called Quentin Jammer. Yeah. And uh, he was just bigger, faster, stronger than all of us, man. And we had we had some dudes, man. You know, looking back, especially now as a coach, I'm like, man, we did have some guys. Yeah. But it was uh, that guy played quarterback, running back, corner. Uh, we couldn't stop him, man. He you could tell he was probably pro ready <laughs> as a high school guy, you know. Yeah. And so like. Uh, you know, he's just a legend. So being able to be, you know, on the field with him at that time and, you know, um, and, you know, you're just like, oh, this is a whole different level. It's a whole different level of everything. Yep. You know, there's levels to everything, right? And he's on a, he's on a different one. And, uh, yeah, we took that butt kick and went home that night, you know? And so I just remember them being really big as a team and really, really physical, uh, and, and playing on grass, you know, at Mercer at the time was that yep. old school turf. Yep. Remember that? Yep. And so, you know, uh, just being the first time playing a little varsity football on grass and just getting our butt kicked, and it was an old stadium. So, yeah, it's fun times, man. <laughs> 1996, gotta love it. It always feel like I need one more boy. One more line, record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head, lost my mind, insuring them. I'm just fine, I'm good enough, but I need one more boy. One more line, record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head, lost my mind, insuring them. I'm just fine, I'm good enough, but I need one more boy. One more line, record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head. Lost my mind, insuring them, I'm just fine, I'm good enough But you be told I need some therapy Initially ain't do it voluntarily, but now I got a legacy Alright, welcome back to another brand new episode of the Team Player Podcast This is episode number 80 This is a guy I've known for a really long time We share the same alma mater, the Fort Bend Austin High School Bulldogs And in my time as a defensive coordinator at Ridgepoint This guy's offense ranks as my number one toughest offense ever faced He's an all-around good guy, always brings the energy into the room, and the new uniforms he just unveiled for his team are straight fire, but we will talk about that in a second. He is the head football coach and campus athletic coordinator for the Grand Oaks Grizzlies and Conroe ISD. Welcome, Sean McDowell, to the show. Man, thanks, Kobo, man. I'm glad to be here, man. It's good to see your pretty face again. <laughs> Appreciate that. Coach, likewise, man. You're looking good, looking yes. trim. Uh, get, got your got your summer workout in there, man. You're, you're looking good, Coach. Yeah, but, man. A little summer tan and a fresh haircut, yep, getting ready yep. for coaching school. You know, got to yes, look sir. good at coaching school. Yes, so. sir. So, if, hey, if you're a part of the team player movement, again, just take five seconds. Give us the five-star rating. We're over 60 on Spotify and over 30 on Apple Podcasts, so we're really growing. So, please keep that up. Uh, you can leave a written review if you'd like. I'll read those on the show if you leave one. You can hit the follow button to subscribe and get a new episode in your queue every Sunday. We will be honored if the Team Player Podcast made it into rotation. And I'm your host, James Kovaleski. Please follow me on Twitter at Coach underscore Kovo. That's Coach underscore K-O-V-O. All right, Coach, let's talk about your early life, man. I mean, I, I'm definitely familiar with the part of town that you're from. You said you grew up in the A-Leaf Sugarland area, and that's Mission Bend. That's the Mission Bend okay. area. And 
so for those that don't know, I, I would just say Mission Bend is south of West Park Tollway, west of Highway 6, Bissonette on the south, 1464 in the west. It's kind of in that area. So I'd say, again, it's an area I know well. You know, uh, Austin opening was really cool. It kind of combined Mission Bend, New Territory, lots of different places. So just just kind of share with us, man, what was it like growing up in Mission Bend? Man, it was awesome. Uh, you know, um, I cut like, you know, uh, I when I first got down here, we lived on the A-Leaf side. So I went yep. to like yep. Petrosky Elementary. Okay. You know, yep. it's still considered Mission Bend. And then we moved like two streets down uh, going into middle school. And next thing you know, I got to go to Fort Bend ISD and I'm going to Hodges Bend Middle School. Yep. You yep. know, so yep. back then, 1464 was a two-lane road. Yep. You know, and you had to wine. <laughs> you had Mission Bend, Mission Glen, Providence. You know, you have four, you know, the, the four quarters down there. Yep, I mean, yep. it was, you know, Pheasant Creek wasn't around yet or anything like that. So, wow. man, it was awesome, man. Wow. It was awesome. So, uh, you know, I, you know, I had a great street. I lived off El Cresta, man. I cut like six yards to yeah. make money on that, you know, uh, you know, charging $10 a yard. I'd cut it, you know, and I just remember uh, me and all my friends would be able to be able to ride our bikes, man, from the end of Bel Air to yeah. like the tip of beach nut all the way around, yeah. you know, trying to find basketball games and, yeah. you know, steel bikes. <laughs> you know, <laughs> It's okay. Uh, the statute of limitations has passed. They can't prosecute. Hey, I don't know. Confirm, <laughs> confirm nor deny what happened. To you, know, so, um, you know, just a great opportunity to grow yeah. up, man. And I, and I cherish it. Learned a lot of life lessons on the streets of Mission Bend, yeah. you know, that I still carry with me today, you know, made us tough. Uh, you know, we could, you know, play you know it's one of those deals where you know you couldn't play in the street or you play light pole, light pole football yep. or you go yep. you play on the grass and then like it's tackling yep. the grass and touch on yeah. the cement you yeah. know it's yeah, like yeah, yeah. it was what we would want from our own kids to be honest right. with you, that we don't see anymore you know man i, I just i love that area because i just love how like fort bend and a leaf would kind of just blend right there in that mission bend area and like for me i gotta ask you man like i remember as a kid living in fort bend like my dad would always take me to the fame city and then it became fun flex. Was that one of your spots too? I'm, you know, man, Fame City was a spot, man. Yeah. And then remember, I don't know if you remember Fame City Waterworks. You know, the the, exactly. the, yes. the water park next to it. That's right. And that was the place to go, man. Like you could go bowling. You had yeah. laser tag. You had roller skate. You had all the arcades. I remember being angry that I couldn't, you know, have enough money to play an arcade. You right. know, or I remember getting season passes to go to uh, to Fame City Waterworks. You know, the water yeah. park there. I mean, yeah, it yeah. was. And our church was like right across the street from there, man. So I spent a lot of time right there on, on beach nut and highway six, you know? So, man, I loved it. It was a great childhood. I wouldn't trade it for the world. Now coach, you know, another thing is, you know, for me, I went to, when I was in high school, I lived in new territory and went to Austin, but most of my life, like all the way through eighth grade, I grew up in Barrington place. So you might know that subdivision. Oh, it's kind of in that same area right there yeah, off of Eldridge. Absolutely. So you yeah. were a Hodges Bend warrior. I was a Sugarland yeah. Trojan. You know, there but you go, man. The, the thing that unifies that is you went to Kempner for a time. I would have went to Kempner. That is interesting to me, man. The fact that you had that experience of like you, you became you were a Kempner Cougar, but then all of a sudden you're moving to Austin. So can you give us more information on that? Like what year did you move? Was it just your freshman year at Kempner or, or how long were you at Kempner? And what do you think of Kempner High School? Yeah. So uh, the neighborhood, you know, before everything like blew up there. Right. You know, uh, Kempner was like what the third or fourth school in Fort Bend ISD. They got like 12 so. now. So yeah. you're like late 90s. So, um, you know, when I was when I was growing up, like, you know, how Howard six was like two lanes both ways. Yeah. You know, it was yeah. small. Yeah. You know, uh, there wasn't much out there, uh, but the big neighborhoods. Right. So 
they had one high school and that went from the tip of a leaf all the way basically to Clements. So, you know, you right. had Willow Ridge, Dulles, Clements and Kempner. That's right. That was it, you yep. know, and then Elkins came about eventually, but yep. um, you know, so that whole Southwest side of like, uh, or, you know, I guess it'd be the Northwest side of, uh, I don't know, heck, um, Highway 6 between 90 and, and uh, you know, Westheimer, that was right. all kept, right? Right. So new territory actually went to Clements, right? That's what I heard, so, yeah. Yeah. So, and I then, asked so Jeremy Hill played, about that. I don't know if he played with Jeremy yeah. Hill, if he's a couple years behind you. But he, Jeremy he did Hill was my him. man. He played basketball. Yeah. His dad yep. was our yep. booster club president at, in Austin. Yep. Yep. Uh, and um, so, you know, it was just a great area. So what happened was uh, we were all zoned to Kempner. So I went to Kempner my freshman and sophomore year. Okay. So it was at 92, 93, and okay. then 93, 94, right? Something around there. Because yeah. I graduated Austin in 97. So um, I guess it would be 93, 94. Uh, and then so basically Fort Bend grew, right? And so they opened up Elkins. And then they really opened up Austin High School to split it, all right? So all of my neighborhood, Mission Bend, Mission Glen, you know, Four Quarters, uh, Providence and all that, yeah. we had to end up going to Austin High School because yeah. Kepner was, man, we were busting at the seams. That's what right. I do remember about right. Kepner. Great school, man. I love Kepner. Great pride. We were good at everything. You know, we had a great FFA. We had great sports. I mean, it was an awesome time to be at Kepner. You know, um, man, I remember going, to, watching those guys play in the Dome, you know, when yeah. I was a freshman a football player, just being like, oh, man, this is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, but, you know, Fort Bend, like every big district, going to grow. And so I was just fortunate to be a part of that. I guess fortunate and unfortunate, you know, kind of deal. Because it's always cool to open up a new school, right? But it's also sometimes not cool to open up a new sure. school. Right? Because you're starting the traditions, you're doing all that stuff, but you really have nobody to, you know, to, to base it on. You know what I'm saying? Right. So we yep. got to Austin High School in 95. You know, and then we were the big dogs for two years, but we really didn't know how to do anything. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So oh, yeah. it, it was a blessing and a curse, I should say. But Kempner was awesome. The people were awesome. I'm still friends with a lot of the people there. And then we merged with some of the people from Clements that lived in, like, New Territory. Right. So it was, it was cool, man. I enjoyed it. Like I said, looking back, I wouldn't have traded it for the world. Let me ask you a couple guys that I know from Kempner that, you know, that are that are legends in the coaching. You know, Andre Roberson, were you there at that time? Were, were you the same? or? So, yeah, so Andre is my boy. So oh, yeah, Andre, yeah. Uh, I grew up with Andre and his brother. You know, they lived, I think, in uh, Providence or somewhere there. We'd play basketball. Yeah. You know, uh, we know he was only a grade higher than me, right? So, okay. you know, when I was, he was, you know, eighth grade, he was a ninth grade. I was a ninth grade, he was a 10th grade. And, you know, he was a guy that, you know, that was always cool, man. Him, James Fortune, all those, Kevin Lee, that's some, like, Mission Ben legends, man. That, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, Andre was unbelievably athletic and fast, man. He went to Missouri to play corner. Yep. I mean, he was yep. the first guy that I ever realized that ran a four, three, like legit, you yep. know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. You know, he was always just about his business, you know, great guy to be around, you know, uh, he, you know, funny stories that he's the one that kind of got me on as my head coach, my first head coaching job at Willow Ridge. Okay. You know, we'll definitely we, get to that one. I can't wait to hear that yeah, one. Yeah, So we, we coached, yeah. we coached against each other when I was at Bush. Right. Yep. And then, and so uh, him, he was at Travis and, uh, you know, just lifelong friends. And now we're, you know, you know, colleagues and, and you know, uh, you know, he's a confidant. I call and ask for questions. He's an admin being the principal at Hightower now, man. It's a small world. You don't realize how small it is. And it's all about relationships, man. And speaking you know, of that Willow Ridge connection, I mean, did, did Coach Lazaro, was, was he at Kempner at the same time as so, you? So, yes. So Rich Lazaro 
yeah. was like two years above me, okay. two to three okay. years above me. So I knew him in high school as well. And, you know, his family is just legends in, in that Sugarland area. I mean, yeah. there's not a better man than Richard Lazaro, I can assure you. Yeah. You know, absolutely. he runs circles around all of us. And uh, so, and I, and then we reconnected when he was coaching at Austin and I was coaching at Bush, you know? So it's like yeah. the whole, you know, it's, it's like the six degrees of Kevin Bacon. It's like, <laughs> we're all connected, man. I know, know, man. I'm going to throw one more at you. And this guy, I think is a I, couple years older, but he was my O-line coach at Austin or like Matt Sullivan. I know was a Kempner Cougar, but I guess, I guess he was probably several years older, right? Yeah. He was way older. Yeah. yeah that's uh, right. Okay. Yeah, he was, yeah. He's way older. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Now let's, let's talk about, because I I've I've experienced it too, coach as a coach at Ridgepoint. So I've seen okay, that yeah. model of you know you get you yeah. only have freshmen and sophomores. Your juniors they they don't get to play varsity junior year. You know they have to play a JV schedule. You're typically going to go ten and zero. It's pretty you know like kind of like you described. Right. I had Zane Brown, the defensive coordinator at Cy Springs, a tra- the Travis High School legend. He described yeah. what it was like. Same thing you described. You know kicked everybody's butt. You know junior year and then now it's yeah. varsity. I'm curious your thoughts. Zane said that actually, even though it, it really at the time you're upset because you're like, man, I'm missing out on scholarship opportunities because I'm not getting varsity looks or whatever, or varsity reps. He felt like it really helped them be ready. And, and they felt like there was no fear of being a first year team. Like they, they, Travis started kicking ass and taking names right off the bat. From what yes, I remember at Austin, I remember you guys being the same as like a young buck in middle school kid kind of watching the games. I remember you guys. I just remember you walking out of the banner and the cheerleaders made a thing that said, we love our, our, our men in black, you know, cause it was like, you know, men in black was coming out. Like you, you had that yeah. it factor at Austin with those, those black uniforms and, and great players and great teams. So can you yeah. describe that? You know, what was it like playing JV as a junior? And then like, did you guys come in as seniors thinking like, Hey, we're ready for this? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, if, if uh, and I still use it today, man, if kids think they're 10 foot tall and bulletproof, that's what you want. Right. Yeah. So the JV yeah. season, you know, we're, some of those we're playing against juniors in JV, you know, some of them, you know, you don't, you never can see in front of you. Right. You know, you only see what's like what's ahead of you. You can only see what's right in front of you. You never see ahead. So we were just playing football then, man, you know, we were doing all the things. And so we were running our offense, running our defense and we were beating teams. You know, we never really thought that, yeah, it's JV, but we never really thought that, uh, you know, that we weren't going to be good because we knew we were good. You know, uh, so after JV year, man, it's all season. We're getting ready for football, you know, and yeah. there's no different. You know, we were good as a, uh, as, you know, we were, we, we lost to like Elsa, like 14 to 16. Damn. And then we lost to like, wow. you know, Hastings, like 21 to 17, you know, and those guys had like Khalif Muhammad and, and dudes that yeah. went on to play yeah. in the yeah. league, you know, playing against the A-League schools and that they were big time. And, you know, we, we, we probably lacked the uh, big game experience. For us to be really, really good uh, my senior year uh, because a couple games could have gone either way, and next thing you know, we're making a playoff team. But they always, as I look back, they always treated us like a varsity. You know, so uh, we would would come in on Saturdays back in the day and lift weights. You know, we would practice like a varsity. Uh, So, like, when we actually got to varsity, it was no different, you know. Uh, But our expectation is that we were going to win. And back in the day – you know, you're talking about 1995, 1996, you know, like high school recruiting was a big deal, but it wasn't as big as it is now. Like, right. Like so concentrated, like we were playing football with our friends. You know, we had, we knew that, you know, our, our man, Charles Burton was going to go on be big. Sure. He was yeah. our quarterback, yeah. And yeah. he was a heck of a safety, you know, one of my, one of my best friends of all time growing up, you know, that, uh, you know, that he was going to be big time, man. I, you know, I thought that maybe I had a perception of myself, you know, I'm five, eight, 
you know, 190 as an offensive yeah. lineman, split guard, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. you know, we got, you know, we, and now I'm 5'8", 230. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't, I gained weight, but didn't grow, you know, but, uh, yeah. you know, just like, uh, you know, it's a whole mindset, man. So like when we go, it didn't matter where we got on a bus to go to, you know, uh, Elsick High School, or we got on a bus to go play Hastings at Crump. It was the same mentality, yeah. you know? Uh, but I think what hurt us was that, we didn't have the big game experience sure, like sure. you would need in a varsity guy, you know, and, you know, we weren't as big as, as some of them, you know right. what I'm saying? We weren't, I mean, if I'm 5'8", 190 playing offensive line, that's really not good for 5'8", high school football back in the day, in the 90s, you know? Man, Coach, you know what's so funny football. is that I also played, I was 195, 195 pounds split guard for the Austin Bulldogs my junior year. So just funny, we had the same, I lived the same yeah. experience, man. And like going through those off seasons, Coach Stewart was our head coach. He was our leader. Absolutely. You know, some yeah. of the coaches I had that I still had were probably guys like, I'm imagining like a Rusty Robinson and a Coach Mollick. Yeah, were Coach they, Robinson. And man, guys, him yeah. and I, uh, you know, it, when I had the rough times as a junior and senior, man, Coach Robinson, you know, was a man that that, that got me through some stuff or challenged me, yeah, really, yeah, you know, to kind yeah. of suck it up and let's go. And right. then, you know, and then reconnecting him when I became a high school coach. And I told him that he's one of the reasons why I'm here, you know, and why I did what I did. Because, he, you know, even in tough times when I was in the Coast Guard and stuff, and he'd be like, suck it up, let's go. <laughs> you know, you, I remember him telling specifically, he's like, you don't win some, you don't lose some, you win them all. You know, and I'm like, like okay. You know yep. what I'm saying? So, yep. yeah, I mean, you had uh, Coach McCune, Coach Stewart. Yeah, Coach McCune, yep. I mean, yep. All of them, man. You did, a lot of those guys, Coach Brantley. You Absolutely, know? So, yep. I mean, uh, he's a legend, you know? Yep. I mean, so, yeah, we, uh, you know, we, we, you and I are probably the most similar out of anybody you had because yeah. uh, of the same experiences that we've had. Yeah, great off-season program. And by the time I was there, our talent had dipped. It really peaked for a second, like Devon and Devar Darling, you know, when oh, I was a sophomore. and Especially. They were special. My my two years, we went three and seven both years, so we dipped a little bit. You know, we is yeah. And it's that I. It's not the coaching. We we just we, a little bit of a talent drop, myself included. I'm I'm not a great athlete or anything, and I was one of the better players. So it just happens. And then you know, but I remember like your name, even though I didn't know you because you were I already passed through. Like the thing I loved was at Austin, we had the 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 weight clubs, three hundred yes. pound bench. 250 power clean, 275 incline, 450 squat. I'll never forget those numbers. And I always remember right. your name was up there. And I had no yeah, idea who you were, but I always would see Sean McDowell. And so, like, later when we I got into coaching and I saw you, yeah. you know, moving through the ranks and everything, I was like, that's the guy that I always saw his name. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, man. I, I wasn't a good player, but, man, I built for power, not speed, right? So yeah. I've always been naturally strong. So that was one of my goals as a junior in offseason. Man, I got to get that 300-pound bench, man. Yeah, and I yeah. got it on the last test. And I, oh, yeah. I mean, I was like, yeah. I remember putting my name on there, being so proud. And I still do that stuff in my program now, you know, that's record nice. boards. And, and you know, it. I think it's important for those guys to see that. Yep. And, uh, yeah, man, that's pretty crazy because I have the same story about Bill Wilder and Rich Lazaro and yeah. all those guys yeah. that were on the wall at Kempner, you know, and I wanted to, you know, that's how I got to know those guys. You know, Casey Givens. I mean, those were dudes, you know, like, so – there's no idols in my eyes growing up, you know. So Givens. I, I remember, I remember. Was there a Justin Givens too? That was a big old fullback for Kevin. They're brothers. They're brothers, man. Oh, yeah, I figured that. Okay, I remember Justin Givens was like a freshman playing fullback for Kempner. I remember. Yes. That. Yeah, Casey and Justin, man, and, and Casey. I don't know where Justin's at, but Casey lives in Fulcher. I, I've run into him a few times. Hey, they look like fullbacks, and they look like they can still play, man. They are awesome, you know. Let's so let's I talk remember, about that, Coach. Yeah. And you may remember this, and I'm not sure, but I be wasn't. Was Coach Stewart a member of the Kempner coaching staff? Like, was he so a coordinator? Stewart, coach, yes. 
So yeah. Coach Stewart was like the offensive coordinator right. when I was there. So he was a right. tight ends coach. So he, and so, yeah, a lot of those Austin first-year Austin coaches came from Kempner. So right. my sophomore year, when uh, they announced Coach Stewart as the head coach and who was going to go to Austin, man, they split us. Right. Like, you guys over here, you guys over there. And so we started working as all Aspen Bulldogs, like almost yeah. immediately once he was named head coach, you know? So coach Robinson, you know, you had uh coach Brantley came over. I mean, it was, it was on man, you know? Yeah, no. And I, cause I, I could see it even years later, I could see like Kempner and Austin, we were mirror images of each other. We ran the same off season style. We had the same offense and defensive, you know, scheme. So I, that makes yes, sense. Sir. Now, Tom Henderson was the coach when I was playing at, at was, was he also your coach at Kempner? Was it Tom Henderson or was it someone else? He was our linebackers coach at Kempner, man. One of the best oh. men and best coaches ever been around. Yeah. Yes, sir. Who was the head coach then? Uh, coach Hudson, Rock Hudson. Okay. Yeah, so I'm not, I don't know him years. at all. So I guess, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Coach Hudson. Yeah. Coach Hudson was our head coach, man. Older guy. I just remember him, you know, like being from Permian, he'd wear those old bike shorts. You yeah. Know yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, you know, that's what I remember him, you know, had, had his shirt tucked in and squared away, you know, and, and always around watching the freshmen and stuff like that. And cause you know, he, uh, that's what I remember about him. You know? Now, what was, I mean, I, I talked with Zane Brown for him. It was when Travis opened, they wanted to beat Austin, you know, and, right. and you know, and, and also I guess Bush, you know, Austin and Bush were kind of those two rivals from that area. Funny story. Yeah. I coached Zane Brown as a freshman in, in high school. And then Travis you were at Bush up. when Zane was, wow. Man, yeah. it does all yeah, so, that's yeah. Kevin so Bacon came, stuff when again. I got, when I got out of the Coast Guard, I came home because yeah. Coach Molig, who was the defensive coordinator at Austin that's right. when I was in high school, got that Bush head coaching job. Right. So I got out of the Coast Guard and came home to be a coach and taught geometry and, and webmastering under Coach Molig. Yeah. You know, so uh, you know, that class, Sam Brown's class was really good for us at Bush. Absolutely. As a and then in good Fort Bend style, open up a new school two right. miles down the road. And that then hurt. we lose yeah. half that class. That's so good. You know, that's why they knew they were good. Zane Brown was a heck of a man and a heck of a player. Absolutely. And I'm proud of him and his success. And we talk regularly, not as much as we used to, but uh, I'm proud of him and he was a good player. But yeah, I'm, I'm putting this out there for anyone listening, ADs listening to this show. That man has head coach written all over him. And so I know oh, him yeah. and OG Fagan, they're doing it at Side Springs and they're going to have a breakout year this year. I'm calling it right now. But look out for that name, Zane Brown. I mean, he's yeah, the most disruptive guy. nose guard yeah. I've ever seen in my life. Honestly. Yeah, speaking. I mean, and he's got an awesome name, man. Who doesn't want to be named Zane? You yeah. know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> coach, let me ask you just one well, one or two more questions about your playing career at Austin, just because I'm interested. Right. Obviously, right. Kempner was going to be your big rival. What was that right. like when you actually went in the Friday Night Lights your senior year and you actually got to play him at the varsity level? Like, what was that like? What, what happened in that game? Man, man, that was awesome, man. I mean, like, like some like, that was our team. Like, yeah. so you think about this, a lot of those guys stayed at Kempner because right. they are from that area, right? Chuck Kaiser and Eric Oliphant, some guys that were like, they were our teammates, man. Yeah. So it's like legit sibling rivalry. Right. So we were so excited to play those guys, man. And honestly, it was probably more like the toilet bowl when we played them because neither <laughs> one of us were going to the playoffs at that right, time. Right, right, right. You know, we played them. We played them on the last year, the last game of the, of our senior year. Man. Yeah. And we had to play them on a Saturday. I remember. Wow. And it was like one of those kind of like it could have been pretty cool. Ended up being kind of. Oh. Yeah, and so, um, man, just talking mess all week, man. I remember, uh, you know, we didn't obviously no cell phones and stuff like that. But just you yeah. like, hey, we would put a. 
we started, we took their, uh, like program. Remember the old yeah. school oh, program yeah. for headshots? We put them on our locker and then we taped them to our helmet. Yeah. <laughs> I love like it. Guy, like I knew I was going against Eric Oliphant all week. So yeah. I taped his picture to my helmet, you know, just stuff like that. You know, you could call him on the phone, talk mess. You hung out with him still. Cause we were teammates for two years, you know? Yeah. And then we ended up kicking their butt pretty good, man. We Did you? Okay. Them. That's what I was wondering. Yeah. yeah. So we ended up kicking their butt pretty good. I actually started at a linebacker and split guard that game. Uh, for, for some reason, I don't know what reason why, but uh, uh, man, we had a heck of a game. They weren't as good. We weren't as you know. We didn't make the playoffs because at the time there was only the top two or three. Right. And we yeah. weren't in it. Right. Top two, I believe it was. Uh, so. And that's tough when you got Elsick and Hastings in there. I mean, that's two spots right there. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, it was it was tough, man. You know, Clements was still good back in the day, and yep. Angleton was in our district. Yeah. Wood. You know, so. Uh, but uh, yeah, man. You know, there's nothing like it, especially when. You, you you know, you got this rivalry where you come from, but you also play with those guys. You know, and that you can't – nobody can get that rivalry unless, you know, like that's only reserved for the kids who split from that school. Exactly. That and so it, it's, it's not going to happen. It only happens like for one year or two years. You know what I mean? Because yeah. eventually yeah, those kids correct. go on and, yeah. yeah. That's correct. And so, like, it's a special time. Special. So yeah. and it's, it means a little bit more. So when I can see Chuck Kaiser, I see Eric because uh, Chuck – used to coach and stuff i'd be like hey man remember that senior man we got you you know like uh yeah and so it's, it's a little it means a little bit more when you come from that school and you split you know what i'm saying two, uh, because you know a lot of it's still the same two administrative questions for you because coach because it sounds like from what you're telling me if a kid made varsity at kempner they still had to go to austin there was no ability to stay at kempner if you're a varsity kid because yeah. i you know when i when we started ridgepoint that was not the case like if you made varsity right. at hightower or elkins you could stay and so I'm just right. curious now, now you're, you're a pretty high level administrator as a campus athletic coordinator. Like, how would you handle that? Do you think kids should be allowed to stay or should they be forced to go if they're zoned? I think right now, I mean, I think if you're a, a if you have success at a school, like in being a varsity player, I think you should be allowed to stay, okay. you know, because they allow you to stay if you have a sibling. Sure. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. So if you're, if you're a varsity player, uh, that freshman, sophomore year and you split and have to go to a new school, and, you know, I don't, I don't think it's right. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Because yeah. most of the time, like for football, you won't be playing immediately varsity football. Correct. You know what I'm saying? So there's no yeah. reason for that kid to take a step down. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Like if you can take the JV, yeah. it's not a problem. But if you're a sophomore on varsity, you know, whether it's basketball, football, in particular football, there's no reason to go the next year and play JV football. I just don't think I agree. that's right. I, I agree with you, Coach. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Japan now, what about – go ahead. I'm saying back in the day, they didn't care about that. So there was like, hey, you live in Mission Bend, you're going to go to Austin. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. So exactly. Only, it was a different time, man. Yeah, the only exception was a sibling. Like if you had an older sibling, you could go, you could stay there, you know? Yeah. Now, look, what about as far as how to structure it? Because, you know, you have like um, the way that Fort Bend does it for the most part. Fort, Fort Bend makes, typically does the, the you know, you, know you're, you will have seniors in your first varsity year. Other places like a Seven Lakes, you know, I remember that they they just went straight into varsity and played of no seniors. I remember we played them, and juniors was their oldest grade. So I'm curious your thoughts on that. Well, how would you well, do it again? If you're an AD, would you, would you allow them to start varsity early if just juniors, or or, do you, or would you prefer they have seniors? Man, honestly, I would prefer like it, to me, it's a formula. So if you open up in an even year, you mm. even, you open up with two classes, I, right? I, yeah. And then if you open up in an odd year, like a 23, right, yeah. you open up with three classes, I right? Because you, you got to – I don't think it's good for anybody to start off 
varsity competition with just one class, right? Yeah. Or two classes because it's hard, man. Yeah. And success, yeah. every especially now that everything is graded on if you win or lose, right? Nobody cares about the process or getting there. They want to win immediately, sure. right? So, okay, well, let's, let's give them guys a chance, you know, particularly in, in uh, you know, you you think about age, man. You're like, all right, so I'm going to go to this new school. I'm 16 years old. Oh, great. Now I got to play. I'm varsity right now. I got to play against a whole team of 18-year-olds. Man, come on, man. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's tough. Now, you can do it. Yeah, you're just going to take a bunch of L's, you know. But, I mean, that's not what people want. So, if I'm an AD, I'm going to pitch for the odd-even formula to get those guys success and move on, right? And then and try to time it up. We're realignment. Re you know what I'm saying? It's all about realignment. Yeah. yeah. And, and getting there and doing it right. Because you want to build. You want them to go through the process. Like, yes, I played JV as a junior at Austin, right? And we opened up with three grades. But it was the right call. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. It was the yeah. right call. Our guys still had an opportunity to go. I had a year of, uh, of varsity football. You know, our guys, we still had guys being able to go off and play college football. Or, you know what I'm saying? We had a lot yeah. of success, even though we had one year. It's it's okay to sit and cook on a JV or sub-varsity level for a year. You know, it's okay. Yeah. So now, you know, golf and tennis and wrestling and, and all the other, uh, you know, track and all those type of sports, yeah, if you're fast enough, man, or bet good, go play on that varsity level. But I still think like basketball, you know, uh, football, you know, soccer, they need a year to cook and then yeah. let's go. You know? I love it. So. No, I think that's great, coach. I really love that perspective. I think that's the first time I've heard someone on when I asked this question, talk about the even and odd year. And I think you're, I think you make a great point there. Yeah. Last because, question you know, on this oh, go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. You know I was saying I experienced it. I opened up, you know, I was at Bush when Travis opened up. Yep. Right. And then, uh, you know, being at Willowridge, I mean, shoot, we've been split so many times when I was head coach at Willowridge. And then being at Foster, understanding when Fulcher opened up, how that worked, you know? And so uh, so I've been on it not only as a player, but also as a coach, you know yeah. what I'm saying? So I yeah. got I got yeah. too much experience in splitting schools, to be honest. No, man, I, that's great. Now, last question on your high school career, and I got to ask, I mean, obviously, Kenton was your big rival, but you mentioned Clements. Our good friend Bobby Darnell, man, did, or the Clements coach. Did you ever did you ever play against him, or were you guys different years? Man, no, nah, we were the same year, man. Bobby Darnell has been a friend of mine since high school, man. Awesome. He was a heck of a receiver. Yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, he was a man, you know. And uh, you know, we weren't great, great friends, but we knew each other in high school. Uh, yeah. You know, because his wife, you know, was uh, was went to Austin. Austin so, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we knew each other, you know, uh, growing up. And then you know him once he got out of once he graduated from Baylor and he played at Baylor, him and I coached together at Bush. Bush, That's right. And so now, man, we're, we're, our families are friends. I'm friends with him. I mean, obviously being a head coach at Clements, yeah. I mean, he's a legend. He's but a he legend. He still looks like he's played too. He's still, he, you know he, he don't age. He doesn't age, man. Nah, he look good he too. He got man. a little gray. He got a little gray now. So I'm going to get on him. But yeah, he's, he's still the man. And man, I love that guy. And I'm so proud of the success that he's been having at Clements because everybody thought it was a dog. You know, but he he loves that school and they love him and and he's doing a, a, an outstanding job there, man. And coach, yeah. who won that game? I'm curious. Your senior year, who won that one? Well, since I don't remember, I think we did. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. Love it. Yeah. All right, Thank you, man. So, coach, you yeah, you I mentioned think, Coast Guard yeah. Academy a couple times, but did did you also go to Louisiana College? I thought I'd remember seeing your picture in the field house for at LC or. No, I, I look like I went to Louisiana College, but no. Maybe I that went was to the someone US else Coast. that would. Okay. 
I thought yeah, I remember I seeing that. US, I, I went to play Division Three ball at U.S. Coast Guard Academy. U.S. Coast Guard Academy. Maybe the uniform is kind of similar to, and I just thought it was Louisiana. Could, what could were the colors? Made, yeah. They're royal, royal blue and orange, man. But, I yeah. saw your U.S. Coast Guard uniform, and I just thought it was Louisiana College. I didn't even know that at the time. So that that's pretty yeah. cool. So I looked it up, and maybe you can correct me, but I'm, I'm seeing New London, Connecticut. Is is that the city where? Okay, that's pretty correct. cool for people that don't know that. It's right off the water on the Long Island Sound, southeast Connecticut, about 50 minutes southwest of the capital of Hartford. So just that's really cool, man. It's a really cool part of the country. Just tell us what that was like. Man, it was it was as the farther I get away from it, the more I love it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it was one of the hardest and most challenging times in my life, but it was also one of the most rewarding as I look back on it, man. Right. You know, uh, it made me in who I am today, you know, in addition to my parents, you know, I learned, uh, so much just about, uh, you know, the military, uh, what I, what I can do, uh, how to be a leader, how to be a team player. Uh, I mean, it, it, I think it really contributed to me and my success as a coach, uh, and, and, and being a successful man, uh, and and love of country, love of team, yep. love of everything. You know, um, it's I would highly recommend it to anybody that want to go. It's like the Naval Academy or West Point or, or Air Force, and it's just Coast Guard, man. And it's hard, but it's worth it. Absolutely, and I, we had players um, that that did the same thing. And I mean, all of them say the beginning is tough, man. So yeah, that that's pretty universal. But I'm I'm really glad you stuck it out, and it, it made such an impact uh, in your life. As far as your coaching career, you already kind of shared with us the beginnings. You came back to Bush with your connection with Coach Molig. And then this is right. the cool part. So from 03 to 07, Bush High School. But then from 2007 to 2011, you went to Cy Creek. So you kind of struck out to a new part of the city. Um, you became the offensive coordinator of a really kind of high-powered spread. You know, and spread was new-ish, yeah. I guess, at the time. It wasn't like everybody yeah, – I mean, when I played high school football, everybody run the wing tee, you know, and that wasn't that long ago, right? So you, you were yeah, one of those absolutely. forefront – people on the forefront of that re revolution how'd you get with right. side creek because i don't i don't did you have a connection of coach i guess coach mckaig was still the coach over there or yeah no happen? i didn't know yeah no man he needed a he needed an offensive line coach and okay. so uh you know he needed some coaches and really honestly um uh, uh i went there and i coached my first year i mean coach mola moved on from bush after that so i was like i need a job man like i didn't want to yeah. stick around a bush and, and i'd been there five years and i wanted to kind of grow sure you know sure. so Coach McKeg had a job open. I didn't know him from Adam, man. So I got I got the job, and I said I really didn't care what I coached. And I was the old line coach at Bush. I'd been an offensive guy my whole career. He was like, "Hey, I, I need to hire you, but I want to make I need a defensive coach." So I was like, "Man, I'll do whatever." So I went over there and actually coached outside linebackers for a year. Wow. Okay. And then yeah. after the first year, I became uh, I became uh, the offensive coordinator. I guess O line coach. Yeah. And then it was very cool from there. You know, I, I think I did. Yeah. So like that first semester I was there, I was defense and then Christmas happened. And then in 2008 and then, uh, you know, January 2008, man, I'm O-line coach again. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, yeah, we, it, that's basically it. And I'll tell you this, man, I love Coach McKeg like uh, like a father, man. He's been yeah. outstanding to me. And, uh, and, and uh, uh, he has been probably the most impactful coach on my career that I've, uh, that I've had. He's a legend. I mean, it's got to be what, 30 years, maybe? I mean, it's. 38 38 so man yeah. guys yeah. like him and yeah. coach Koch at memorial like these are guys that have yeah. incredible staying power so just man yeah and uh yeah he and he you know he all uh, he taught me a few things obviously about everything air raid you know you were throwing the ball and uh, you know at least me at least with me i would like to run the ball a little bit now that he 
You know, you watch his teams now, they don't, don't run the ball at all. <laughs> yeah. You know, but, <laughs> I uh, did a side creek uh, game last year. I broadcast one. Yeah. I see what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, just, he always taught me to just keep on learning, man. He never yeah. stops learning. Even nowadays, man, he's always on top of his game, uh, you know, on the newest things and how he can make his team better. And I kind of try to do the same thing. So my time at Side Creek was amazing, man. I love that school. A lot of, a lot of pride in that school. Uh, we had some great players, which made it a lot more fun, you know, yeah. uh, and it just, that was a, a great time in my life in my coaching career. Let me ask you this coach, as you're putting your offensive coordinator hat on, I think a lot of times, in the media or we as a society, we just, we pigeonhole O-line guys like you and me, you know, we're former O-linemen. We coached O-line. Right. We think like, Oh, O-line guys, they just want to do smash mouth, tight end, fullback, run power, run counter. But here you are as an, oh, and, and conversely quarterback gurus or whatever, like, you know, your Lincoln Riley or whatever that they're thought right. of as these innovative passing concepts and spread, but you're a former O-line guy that gets into this kind of air raid system and really starts making a name for yourself in the city. I'm just curious, were you ever conflicted like that? Like, did you ever have any going back and forth on what your philosophy was? Cause your O-line background versus what you were doing, or I'm really curious about that. Uh, you know, the big thing is that I think when you coach O-line, that's all you coach, right? So like you're, you got those five or six dudes and you, you run game is tough. And then pass game, you know, your protection and you could be physical and you can kind of, kind of tr control the line of scrimmage when you, when you coach the run game, right? Yeah. You know, saying double teams, slip blocks or whatever. And so, uh, you know, I think all line coaches easier to coach in the run because pass pro can be seen as either a passive or not as aggressive. And you're kind of sitting back a little bit, letting things happen. So, you know, the farther, the, the you're farther from the ball. So you don't see the big picture when you're the O line. Right. Yeah. So you, you only have one guy that touches the ball where if you coach the quarterbacks and running backs and receivers, all your dudes can touch the ball. Right. Right. So you like you're trying to coach in a phone booth with the O line to coach yeah. in the entire field yeah. with the quarterbacks and receivers and stuff. Does that make sense? Totally. So yeah. it really took a lot of me and, and thanks to Coach McCabe because I did have that myopic kind of view where it was like, hey, I just want to run the ball. It's like I had to learn and understand spacing and running routes and you know, route conversions and route progressions and things of that nature to be able to do that, you know, take advantage of space. Not only I can, I already knew how to take advantage of space in the run game or, you know, in the box, you know, how to attack a B gap or, you know, fold guys to be able to do things to get numbers. But being able to attack that same mentality in the passing game and in uh, the entire field is where I kind of, we kind of excelled at, you know. So it's definitely, you have to think about it because I want to, I want to run the ball more than I want to throw it because I can control the game, but you got to be able to do things. Uh, and balance you know and the game dictates balance and, and we're going to talk about your time at foster and the time that we met up you know at, at u of h because but that that's what made you so tough man it, there was that balance and we'll, we'll talk more about that but let's let's talk about willow ridge this is sure. another thing where i feel like you and i were just we're so similar in a lot of ways willow ridge and aldine have very similar trajectories in a lot of ways like in the 90s man like early like, they were cooking they were elite yeah. Willow Ridge Aldine matchup is a game that the whole city would come out to at Thorne or Mercer yes. or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like, but yep. at the time when I came in in 2015 or whenever you came in uh, uh, to Willow Ridge at in uh, 2012, you know, just times change, you know, uh, demographics change, areas age. So right. you and I kind of live that where it's like we're walking through this field house where there's so much history on the walls and there is so much pride and tradition. But at that moment, 
we're just having trouble replicating that kind of success. So can you just speak right. to that, man? Because I just cannot wait to hear what you have to say about it. Yeah. So when I got to Willow Ridge, man, in 2012, it was just right off the cusp of them having discussions of shutting it down. Right. You right. know, so when I was when I was in high school and growing up, Willow Ridge was the premier yes. like high school of that of that side of town. Yes. They had the band. They had the academics. Right. You know what I'm saying? It was like the premier black school. Right. Quote unquote black school. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I mean, but they, I mean, they had a band go marching the Rose Bowl every year. I yeah, mean, it was right. everybody enjoyed going to see the band. You had guys like Alan Aldridge, Thurman Thomas, Charles yep. Brigance. It's like NFL Hall of Famer dudes walked through those doors. Yep. You know, and that's the Willow Ridge that I knew, right? Right. right. And and when I got to Willow Ridge, they had lost their way. There was no history on the on the on the door. There was yep. no history on the walls. Right. Nobody knew that in 1982 they won the state championship. Does right. that make sense? Like, right. no sure. marker, sure. no nothing. They were just, I mean, everything was in a closet or under. Man, I found I found film from the 80s and the 90s underneath the stands, rotted. Like the 8-millimeter film and wow. VHS tape, yeah. rotted. I mean, like, it had lost its way, man. Yeah. And so yeah. I, I really tried to put the, the college pictures back on the wall. Man. Yeah, yeah. I had to find, you know. I, you know, we had a ceremony with Thurman Thomas and he was like, Hey, do you guys still have my Jersey and stuff that he donated? I'm like, no, sir. You know, he, you know, that stuff like that, you know, it's like, and we tried to make it where, Hey, you walked into a place that had, as has had success before, how right. can we replicate it again? But then right. you go back and look, it's like, it's really tough because when Willow Ridge was really good, there was no other schools in that side of town. Right. There was no high tower. There was no Marshall. There was no Elkins. There was no Ridgeland. Sure. You know right. what I mean? Like right. it right. was, Kempner Dulles, you know, uh, and, and Willow Ridge, yeah. you know, I mean, yeah. so, um, it's sad, man. It was sad. Yeah. Uh, but you know, you know what it, what was, it was no more. So you just got to keep moving on and explain like these kids have big shoes to fill. And every day, you know, you got to have that Willow Ridge pride, you know, to come in there and there I've never been at a school that has more pride like Willow Ridge. Like yeah. the people that went to Willow Ridge love Willow Ridge. Man. Yes. Like, yes. The, the traditions and stuff like, and that's the reason why I wouldn't shut down. But the problem is, like, if you love it so much, why aren't you sending your kid there? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. you loved it, but your kid don't love it. I mean, it's just, you sure. know, so yeah, it, it, it's sad. But, uh, I mean, it's it's awesome to see them have success still. Obviously, I couldn't have brought them to where they are now. I've been able to get the foster job after that. But, uh, you know, we went three and seven that year. We were really close to some ball games. Uh, but it's it's a great place where it was when I was there. You know. And and was it Coach Lazaro that took over after you? Was, yes, sir. So, so kind I of extension Coach, of yours. Yeah. So. Yeah. So I brought Coach Lazaro with yeah. me. Yeah. Uh, he was at Terry High School at the time, and yeah. he came as my assistant head coach, kind of offensive coordinator. And we we man, him and I, man, we painted the field house and hung up the pictures and yeah. the team photos and spoke with Thurman Thomas and the parents and the Wings organization and the Little League. You know, I think uh, the you know the Little League football team that's there and just try to you know. Hey, we're back, man. Let's get Willers back. How do we do it? You know, and uh, I know it's a challenge every year for those guys to do that kind of yeah. stuff because of uh, the population moves and all that kind of stuff. And right, uh, but uh, it can be done. It's just gonna take some time. Yeah, man. I was also happy with what you and Laz started over there. And I mean, when they made the playoff, won a playoff game, they beat Waltrip that one year. I mean, just just it was so cool to see the outpouring from the community, man. And so yeah, I, and what really ha- helped them was realignment. You know, especially when they split D1, 5A D1, and D2. Right, right. 
you know, they can play some schools that look like them. You know what I'm saying? So that helps. Yeah. Hey, there's athletes there. They have some tradition. Yeah. I mean, it was a it was a feather in his cap for sure when when Rich was able to do that stuff. Man, he he did things the right way. I know that. So. I, I love you guys focus on tradition. I remember, I remember at Aldi and my first order of business was like, I want to get the uniforms back to what they looked like in the nineties. Like they'd kind of gone to Royal blue. And I was like, no, they, they wore Columbia blue when they were winning those games right. with Bill Smith in the nineties. So we, we switched it. And I love uh, coach Ojeda. Cirillo Ojeda is a good friend of mine. He's the head coach now at yeah. Aldi and they're still doing those things. And so I, I just love yeah. seeing that. I love, I love bringing man, back man, some man. of that history, but. Absolutely. Like, uh, you know, uh, I think it's important for those guys to know where they're at and yeah. well, who came before them. You know, I think maybe it's because I'm getting old, man. You know, so yeah, I, you. You know, <laughs> I want to know who came before me. So either I can try to uh, to project I, what my career and my life will look like because that same guy I went through here, you know, so. Coach, you know, you, you made you made your most uh, uh, your, mo your most fame, you know, in your coaching career at Foster. You really had an incredible run at Foster. Ten years, a decade uh, leading the Foster Falcons, man. You got there in 2012 and all the way through 2020. 22 basically just just this year you know you, you've moved over we crossed paths in that uh i guess it was 2014 as fate would have it man two 10 and 0 teams meeting in the first round like that's just awful it was an incredibly yeah. close game back and forth we rich point we we got out of there you know with a win but like i was saying like of all the games i ever coached that was the hardest to me as a defensive coordinator yeah. like we always felt like we were on our heels man you, you were that kind yeah. of offense. We could not just stymie you. Like, we, we could do a lot of times, man. And it was yeah. like that balance of run and pass was just so deadly. You kind of just made us wrong a lot of times, <laughs> you know what I mean, as, as, as they right. say. So can you just – can you just speak – I know a lot of coaches listen to this, man. Just speak to you, this, your team that you're – or your offense and just kind of some of your memories of of foster football and, and, and especially that awesome team you had in 2014. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <clears throat> so when I got to foster, man, I love foster. Don't get me yeah. wrong. I mean yeah. – my kids still go there. I think it's a great community. Yeah. Uh, you know, I spent uh, 10 great years of my life there. Uh, and I, uh, you know, I'm all about growth and development. So I never want to be stagnant. I mean, I'm yeah. 44 yeah. years old and uh, I didn't, you know, I thought you can, I don't want to be somewhere too long. And 10 years is a perfect time for me. And I needed to move on and get different grass, but then not because anything other than me wanting to grow. But so, yeah. When I got to Foster, they were an I team. Like they'd been. That's right. Yeah, they, that's right. They'd been more of a run heavy base team. Yep. Um, I'm just not that guy, man. You know, I yeah. spread the ball to run it, to throw it deep and, and screen you and, and try to keep you off balance and play fast. And uh, and so when we installed it, you know, my first year, we go seven and three and go to, well, seven and four, we go to the playoffs, you know, and they get beat by Dawson. And then the next year, we're, we go, we're 10 and 0, whatever. And man, you're like, we're playing you guys, and yeah. and we end up playing at U of H. Remember? Yep, that's right. And uh, yep. you know, uh, you know, it's just unfortunate. That's just kind of like the fostered luck is that yeah, we would yeah. have a heck of a season and right. play like the number one team in the state first round. And I think it's a testament to the the uh, the quality of football and football programs in that area. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Where we we were number two or number one in the district. I think number two and have to play maybe number four in a team, four or five team in the state. And have to play you guys first round. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, come on, yeah. man. Incredible. You know, it's just, yeah, it, it's just it's just nuts. It kind of reminds me of like that the I you know I twenty corridor in Dallas, right? You got you know you just gotta have to play hard every yeah. game. Uh, but you know, uh, so you know, well, you know, we just had we had some unbelievable players. I mean, C D Lamb, yeah, you know, was a yeah. he was a freshman sophomore at that time. You know, 
Uh, we had we had a lot of good players. Martell, the big hitting, the big hitting safety. I just oh, remember. Yeah. That. yeah, yeah. Andy Martell was an yeah. unbelievable senior. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, dad was a head coach at Hastings. I mean, Andy Martell ended up playing, had a stellar career at UTSA. I mean, we had we had a make no mistake, I'm a good coach because I've had really, really good players, man. I get that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I understand, uh, man. So, I'm the same yeah, way. <laughs> so I mean, I, I am not. You know, there was a time in my life where I thought that, it, oh, yeah, it was because of me. Right. But now as I've realized, I got, you know, I have a kid that runs a 5-6, ain't going to be as good as a kid that runs a 4-6, right? Sure, you know what sure. I'm saying? So totally get that. Um, so we what we really try to do and pride ourselves offensively and really as a program is to find out what the kids do well, and then we do a lot of that. Yeah, Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And so I'm not stuck on, hey – I got to be able to do this and this and this and this because I only know this, man. I will go to work. I will go to school. I would evaluate myself and the program and the kids that we have to make sure that we have that success for those kids. Like we had unbelievable receivers, you know, at that time. So, I mean, if I can get them guys, how do I get those guys the ball? So we research how to get those guys the ball. How do I get the ball to CeeDee Lamb? How do I get the ball to Evan Fairs? You know, uh, what do we do to keep them up? We got a great running back. All right, cool. Now we got three to four weapons on offense we got to be able to use. You know what I'm saying? So to me, it's not really rocket science. It really comes into the planning and being able to understand how we can get our ball in the hands of the best player, if that makes any sense. Absolutely. You know? And coach, you know, we, we, we touched on this earlier and you and I have lived it a lot being a part of new schools. I was a benefactor at Ridgepoint. We got to take right. Elkins and Hightower. I mean, you couldn't pick better than that, you know? Right. And so you, right. but then you, you lived it with the opening of Fulcher. You referenced that. And so I've seen yeah. it so many times where, you know, a new school opens and it's just going to immediately lower the numbers at, at the older school. Right. And, and so you see this right. all the time, these new schools, and we've talked about it, but can you describe what kind of what you were seeing over those first years when, when, as Fulcher was happening, like what, what happened with the numbers or what was the effect of that? Actually, you know, it's crazy because I was ready for it. Then I had a split at Bush. You know, I was like, oh, man, I can see, like, we went downhill after that because our numbers dropped, you know, because we lost half a class each year. Right. And so I was really worried about that. We really didn't see an effect at Fulcher uh, until, like, 2020. Okay. You know, where our freshmen – so, like, that class that split when they were, like, in sixth grade, you know, that – and then – but when they became ninth graders, there was only like 40 of them when we were normally used to getting 80 sure. freshmen. Right. Does that right. make sense? Yep. So they're like, uh-oh. Yep. But in the initial the initial split, uh, Fulcher got hosed because everybody got a varsity letter that needed to get a varsity letter. <laughs> if you we talked about this, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this so time it helped everybody, you. <laughs> everybody, hey, if you didn't letter in football, you lettered in wrestling, by God. You yeah, know yeah, yeah. track, something. You know sure, what I'm saying? Sure, sure, sure. So, we gave those kids the opportunity to stay if they wanted to stay. And we probably, we set them back. Cause I think they only, they only opened the doors with like less than 400 kids, you know, for, for two yeah, grades or yeah. something, you know what I'm saying? So they were like, I treated them like little brothers, man. And I love coach Fleming. Uh, like when they took over that staff and he tried to do, you know, that school and he tried to do some good things, but I, and if they wanted to work out, they had to work out at four o'clock. You know what I'm saying? If they wanted to do something, they had to do something where it was like either the hottest part of the day or, you know, they had to be there really, really, really early, you know, right, because we were right. working out the entire time, you know, uh, we, we didn't, we weren't disrespectful for those, to those kids because they had played for us and stuff, sure, but sure. we definitely treated them differently. Like, Hey, you over here, 
the rest of y'all come over and get some love over here, you know? So uh, the kids yeah. that stayed. Uh, so we probably set them back. Uh, but, you know, we treated them like little brothers, man. We did not do anything with them. Uh, <laughs> you know, and that was a fun time. But we saw, we knew that Foster was, you know, Foster's kind of landlocked. There's a lot yeah. of green grass around there. Uh, that could be something, but like people don't want to sell. I mean, there's cows right. across the street from Foster. Yeah. Fulcher, man, it's right off West Park Tollway. It's booming, as you can see now the success oh, yeah. they're having. Right? I mean, it's going to be a six A school, and that might change for them after this realignment. But uh, I mean, hats off to the great work that Coach Caduti and them guys have been doing. But I hear they're registering 700 kids a year. You know what I'm saying? Like that ain't happening at Foster. That ain't happening anywhere else. You know. It's just a great part of town to be to be at, you know. So yeah, I would agree, man. It's it's the hot real estate, I guess, right now. Like you said, yeah, it, it, sure. it's completely growing up. And yeah, what you described, man, that was similar at Elkins and Hightower whenever we went to Ridgepoint. And so, right, I, I've lived the receiving school, even though Ridgepoint was very successful. Once we got to varsity, those first couple of years, like you described for Fulcher, were lean. Like we just. A lot of the kids, you know, like you said, you're not going to get the same kind of off-season experience, you know, at your old place, right? right? So it right. took us a while to kind of catch up. So I totally get what you're saying there. Now, coach, you said you're, you know, you're 44 years old, which really, man, you're you're a fairly young young man in this coaching profession. You've had a 10 year yeah. stint at one place of a ton of success. Now you're entering your third time as a campus athletic right. coordinator, head football coach. That's really pretty, really cool and impressive, man. For me, I had a two year head coaching career. My, my career record's two and 18, man. Nothing to write home about. <laughs> 0 and 10 my senior year. So people say, Kovo, you ever going to come back to coaching? I'm always like, I was 2 and 18. Who the hell won't hire me? You know, but I can't, you know, for me, coach, the football, I loved it. At Aldine, we didn't have the best success in the field, but I I always say, tell the story. We beat Nimitz my first year. They made the playoffs. Like we beat a playoff team and ended up 2 and 8. You know, so I'm really proud of the team, what we did on the field. But for me, for James Kovaleski, I don't know if I was cut out for the athletic coordinator piece, or maybe I was too young for it. Not, not ready. You know, I just, it really brought me down, like managing the adults and the other sports. And so I, I struggled right. with that, to be honest with you, you know, my, my best right. times were, were coaching a position and coaching the defense at Ridgepoint or what, you know, a position coach kind of guy. So right. I, so a lot of the guys listening, when you're a young position coach, then you become a coordinator. All of us, we want to be head coaches, man. That's what we want. We're gunning for right. I found that like what I guess what I was expecting was different. That was just for me. Now, obviously, you've had a lot of success with it. But for my guys listening or, and gals listening that want to like go to the top and become campus coordinators, you know, thing, roles right. of that nature. What advice did you give? Because you've been doing it for a long time. A lot of different three different places now. Like what advice could you give to us about that piece of it? Well, I always tell guys, be careful what they wish for. Mm. Right. Like every you and your position coach or coordinator, you want the opportunity to run your own program. Mm -hmm. I totally get that. Mm -hmm. It's freaking awesome, man. Yeah. Being the boss is awesome when we're talking football here, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. I do less football now as a head coach than I did as a position coach or a coordinator. Yeah. And and some people just don't understand that, man. I agree. With, like, yeah. You just yeah. do less. Like uh, I run a Fortune 500 company here. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. We got a three hundred fifty thousand dollar budget. I got to deal with. You know, there's twenty sports that I got to deal with now. So. I just got to make sure people understand that when you become a head football coach or campus coordinator and campus athletic coordinator, it's one and the same. You're not only running your football program, which has to take priority, but sometimes it can't take priority to other things that happen on campus. Cause you're now a leader, not only in the, in that football realm, but you're a leader on campus as well. And you have to be able to find the balance between both. Right. right? You have to make yourself available to football and your staff and your kids. And you have to make yourself available to the other sports and their coaches 
and your duties as an administrator in the building. You right. know what I'm saying? Yes. Like you, you're not going to be successful if you only hang out in the football coach's office. That's it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, Bottom totally. Line. Uh, and, you know, you might have a t- good two, three year, four year spent, but if you're not involved in the, in the campus, you can forget it. So the one thing is that you have to have relationships, man. You got to be able to create relationships with the other sport head coaches and you got to be available for them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, they got, yeah. You got to have an ear for them. You got to be knowledgeable. You got to, you got to, you don't necessarily have to know what soccer looks like or the rules of baseball, softball, but you better know how to budget, how to get things done for them be available for them and understand UIL DEC rules. Right. And yeah, that only yeah. comes with experience. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Uh, you know, you got to be able to deal with parents because you're yeah. going to have some parent meetings of people. Yeah. You have no idea who they are. Right. Cause you did not <laughs> right. coach that, but you have to understand what was right is right. What's wrong is wrong and understand how to, uh, you know, um, deal with those parents uh, and, and back your coach at the same time, even when you think your coach might be wrong. Does that make sense? Very well said, man. I mean, for the people listening, you summed up a lot of what I lived, you know, and things that I wasn't just quite ready for. Didn't have, I guess I didn't have the processes in place to process them, you know, correct. You know what I mean? Just like experience, you know? So, but no, I I think that's excellent. And you're totally right, man. Less time with football, less time with kids as you sit in that seat you're sitting in. I would, I would agree. So what I do, man, and I would recommend to anybody when it's football time, it's football time. Yeah. Yeah, Does yeah, that yeah. make sense? Yep. So, like, I – and I am one of the few – I don't know. I don't know if I'm a few, but I actually coach the freshmen and be around freshman football. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right? And if I have to pull away, I got to pull away. But I also hire really good people that I trust to do their job. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So, like, I coordinated with those guys and my coordinators. You know, they got to be able to run and do things. They got to be me when I'm not there. Right. And I got to be able to trust them. Uh, but I try to be – I try to be around as much as I can. But when it's varsity JV time, man – Hey, I'll be. I'm available at this point and this this time of the day to do other things. I'm not available during this time, so I can be with my job, with which is a head football coach, football guy, right? So yeah. you gotta just find balance, man. Whatever works for you. You can't be one way or the other. You know, I mean, in football season, of course, I'm gonna lean more towards football, but in the off season, I gotta lean more. You know, I'm like 60, 40 more of the other sports, getting them going. 40%, 30% football. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I'm totally. Some football every day now. Don't get me wrong. There's going to be football happening every day, but you got to put on a different hat, man. And those guys that are successful can do that, right? And, and you got to hire good people to do their job and you don't micromanage them and you just help them, you know, observe and supervise. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. So, no, man, that's good stuff. Now, and, and as far let's let's get to Grand Oaks. I'm sure a lot of people are tuning I, in wanting to hear the voice of the new football coach and kind of find out what you're all about, you know, but yeah, absolutely. The thing I really like about your career is you've been in several different districts on the west side of town. I think that's really interesting. You've been in Fort Bend. You've been yeah. up northwest. You went. You were inside there at a high-level position as an offensive coordinator. You've gone southwest to LCISD. And now um, here you are kind of moving to the north side, you know, for the first time right. and going into Conroe. North side, baby. Yes, yeah, sir. yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's talk about that, man. Just – is it different? Is it difficult as being in different districts? Do you feel like different districts, like you, does it feel a lot different or is it just similar to what, you, what you've had? And how, what's been your impressions in your, you know, you came in around Christmas time. What's been your impressions so far of, of a Conroe ISD and, and, and uh, Grand Oaks High School? Man, I love Grand Oaks High School and Conroe ISD. That's awesome. Um, yeah, it, it, this is like whatever I was looking for, I found it in here, man. Cool. It's, it's awesome, brother. Yeah. Um, uh, 
so I guess so. There's always in the there's a right way to do it. There's a wrong way to do it, and then there's the school district way to do it. Right? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so you got to find out which yeah. those three ways. What I really like about Conroe ISD is that it is truly a site-based management system. So if I had us outside looking in, we have six high schools here, right? Mm -hmm. It feels like sometimes that we have six individual ISDs. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me more. I have a great athletic administration. Like I love coach Ferris, um, but it is not set up like a KDISD or a heavy cypher ISD or even really Lamar or Fort Bend, man. Like, I, uh, my, my secretary, and I, I've never had a secretary in my life, man. And I there have a go. secretary right next to me. And not that, you know, Miss Yeager, she's doing a great job. Uh, and, but I handle all the money. So, like, I am a, a, a the athletic director for Grand Oaks and the zone, you mm-hmm. know, where uh, in other school districts, I was just given a budget. Like, hey, you got the football budget, right? I would know what everybody else would get, right, as a campus coordinator, but I never inputted POs. Or I never, you know, did requisitions or, you know, stuff like that or travel. You know, we would just put it in the bus request. It would be just something done on the back end. Right now here, I do everything through this office. I see. Okay. Yeah. So I now deal with my coaches are responsible for food, for budget, for travel. You know what I'm saying? And they get a budget. They can't go over. Uh, Booster clubs are a big deal here. And we have 19 different ones where every sport's got their own booster club. Okay. I mean, it's on a grander scale and everything. Yeah. It is decentralized for the district, whereas yeah. everything is centralized on campus, you know? So truly, I am like an athletic director of Grand Oaks High School. I love it, man. I, I love you. See, I mean, for a lot of my listeners, we're coaches. And so we're interested in kind of the stuff you're describing, like right. how is each little district different? And I, I just moved to Katy, you know, so I'm a Katy right. resident now. So my, my son will be a Katy right. Tiger someday. So I'm, a, I'm always interested in that kind of stuff. But Conroe awesome. is interesting, man. A district of that size. And like you said, it only has six. Whereas, you know, right. Cy Fair is what, 14? Our Fort Bend is right. t- maybe going to 12 now of Crawford. Katy is building yeah. high school number 10. Do you project, or have you heard any of the scuttlebutt, like, is there going to be more campuses built or is Conroe going to find a way to keep it kind of around that six mark and keep it? Well, around? there is, there is talk of a seventh high school and that's going to split Conroe because Conroe is like 6,000 kids. Or whatever. I've heard, I I've heard Conroe is kind of overcrowded. I've heard that, that is the next thing on the thing okay. on the, on the docket. However, we also like on our, like we'll open up close to 4,000 here at Grand Oaks and only year six. Yeah. There are on the bond coming up is a uh, talk of a, uh, is hopes of a ninth grade center. Right, oh, okay. that's a totally different mentality than anywhere on the west side, right? So mm. we won't split. Grand Oaks won't split to two high schools. We'll just do a ninth grade center. How awesome is that? You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, no, it's interesting you bring that up because you talk about the west side. Right. I was in Aldine ISD. We had ninth grade centers. So something about the north right. side, like it's just more. I, that's that's interesting that you, that you point that out. Right. So instead of building a new campus. You know, that's all different salaries, all different everything, you know, mm-hmm. plus splitting the talent. You get more opportunity, but is it that good? You know, uh, so having a ninth grade center by themselves, ninth grade campus, we're still able to have a sense of community and and, and really foster this whole, you know, just, uh, you know, camaraderie of Grand Oaks, you know, sure. and the Woodlands has it, Oak Ridge has it. Now we split from Oak Ridge. 
right? So it's not like we don't split schools. Oh, so not okay. That's interesting. So not every campus in CIC, some of them have it and some don't right now. You're saying it's right, not uniform. Right. It's not uniform right now. Okay, right, right. So Conroe, the Woodlands, I think College Park and Oak Ridge have it, but us and Caney Creek do not. Okay, right? I but I think it's on the docket of, for the bond to have Makes to sense. have nine percent. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. man. So, well, cool. yeah, it's pretty cool, right? Yeah, no, so it is I cool, think, man. You know, Con- yeah, it's it's a. And so it's as close, Grand Oaks and Conroe ISD is as close to a one-horse town that I've ever experienced in my life as a coach, you know, because it's always been, uh, you know, very, very centralized, very, very strong central uh, uh, athletic administration, man. The AD was like, send me your numbers, boom, 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 here. Here it's like, well, coach, you have, I have more of a say, I have more of a, a, a control over money, travel, budgets, Booster clubs and things of that nature, you know? Cool, man. I love, love talking about some of the nuts and bolts and the behind the scenes kind of stuff, but I'm sure a lot of people tuning in, they want to hear about football season because we're I all getting know. hungry for it. We're starting to get Absolutely. that itch. You know, it's it's only July when we're recording this. This will be re- we're actually gonna release this during football season. So you'll be you'll be a, a game or two in, coach. So we'll um but oh. let's oh. <laughs> <laughs> but let's let's talk about it, man. You know, you've always been someone I feel like that's done a really good job generating buzz. You kind of just kind of have that in fact, like at Foster, you talked about like revolutionizing the offense instantly right. foster just had like a different like it just hit it just hit different the way foster was right. viewed you know what i mean right. and i'm sure you're going to try to do the same thing at grand oaks i know they, they've been they've had some success but maybe last year i think was a little bit maybe below 500 a little bit a little bit low you know a down year right. but i'm just curious like what are some of you, you've already unleashed the uniforms which i teased like you're going right. of like the florida gators look i've always been a guy i love a white face mask on on a, on a hell on like your orange helmet no like, it just looks awesome so you, you're doing the uniforms. I'm sure you're bringing in your, your offense or at least a version of it that, that fits your kids best. But like, Absolutely. just talk about it, man, for people listening, like what can we expect from, from year number one with coach McDowell and the Grand Oaks Grizzlies? I, like you said, man, a new mentality, a new different swag, man. I'm bringing out Southwest, uh, you know, a Lee Fort Bend yep, swag yep. up here to the North side, yep, man. Yep. I don't know anybody. Nobody knows me, <laughs> you know, like we're, this is how we do it. You know, um, right. They, we got some really good players and some great kids, man. The parents and the administration have been super supportive and awesome. Uh, you know, we've had 250 kids every day at SAC camp, you know, that's awesome, and man. that's starting at seven in the morning till 10, you know, with football, SSI and all that. But man, it, it, it we changed up the look. Uh, you know, I, I was able to bring some coaches with me from Foster. So, it, you know, the coaches here have been awesome and they've really fallen in line and kind of embraced what we're trying to do. Honestly, we're just still getting started, man. I got here in January, changed up the off season, you know, trying to make it, make them, uh, you know, uh, you know, different and challenge them every day. You know, I want them to walk home tired and hungry for more when they come back tomorrow, yeah. you know, and we really did that, you know, for the first time ever this spring, this past spring, they did spring football. They've never done spring football in the history oh, okay. of the school. So Grand Oaks, man, is only five years old. It opened up in 2018. You know, yeah. so, uh, it, you know, they never did spring football. So that was new to them, you know, and, and you know, the first week they're excited. The second week they're tired. And the third week they're ready for it to be over, you know, so <laughs> it's like everywhere I've been. You know, I think, we're, you know, they've, they've also done this before. They're transitioned from a, a, a wing T offense, you know, uh, to our spread, you know. And I so didn't know they were in the wing T last year. Okay, it's interesting. I, I did not know. I didn't know what kind of style they were. a wing T team, a four, four, three defense wing T you know, they, the coaches here, they felt that that was the best they could do to, you know, they, you know, that's what they knew and, and that, that what they wanted to run, not knocking them. 
I'm not that guy. And so we throw the ball, we run the ball, we spread them out, you know, numbers and numbers, sideline to sideline. And the kids are eating it up, man. They, you know, they got a lot of football savvy. Uh, you know, they, they've come to work every day, man. Every yeah. day. It's been awesome. Uh, you know, we're learning, you know, our technology, our terminology. Uh, we're doing all the things that I've done in other places, but at a, at a faster, higher level, I guess, because I'm older and I got, you know, the coach has been around me for yeah. longer than they got yeah. brought from Foster. Uh, and I'm really, really excited about where our kids are right now and where we're going to be uh, when this thing releases, because I really feel like um, we're ahead of the game where we needed to be what I thought we would be at this point. You know? I'm really interested, Coach, in, in whenever there's a big uh, scheme change. You know, yeah. for like, so to go from the wing T to your style of offense, to me, it's a, it's a pretty large change. And you're a Fort Bend yeah. guy and you coached the Fort Bend. So you probably remember Jim Creech and the Dulles Vikings. They were right. a wing T. They did the exact same thing. They were a wing T team. And then coach went to spread. They had Cotton Turner, a great quarterback, had a lot of success. But oh, yeah. it can't, I, I'm just, I'm curious, like, what's that? It can't be easy, I guess, if it's been such a run heavy so, offense. Like, or, or has it just been easy? Has the guys just picked it up? Or I'm sure they're excited. <laughs> I mean, you know, kids grow up, you know, it's like when you go out and play, you watch them play football, the kids aren't running a run-based offense. There's, It's not called touch, uh, you know, uh, two-hand touch run game out there. You know, when you go out and play in the backyard, everybody's always throwing and catching the ball, right? So right. they already had those skills. And not, in the wing tee, you do throw the ball a little bit. And sure. they had done some spread stuff. Now we're just doing it full-time. So really it's about teaching them, literally teaching them, where to line up and what, how to run the route. So we really teach, we taught what to do first. Does that make sense? Right. So hey, what do you do on a specific play? What do I do when I line up in this formation? You know, that kind of stuff. So the difference is being able to evaluate, okay, this guy fits this position in this offense. Now, hey, coach, honestly, there's a lot of kids that were old linemen, you know, for in the wing T that are like a fullback now for us or a, an H back. Okay. You know, yeah. Yeah. A lot yeah. of kids. Who position are, uh, yeah, yeah, position yeah. a lot of position changes, man. You know, uh, kids that were like, Well, I'm a tight end. I'm like, Well, now you got to play DN, or like, they're like, Sorry, brother, you can't play receiver for us. Like, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah. and those really in the wing T, if you're a receiver, you're probably still a receiver in the spread, right? Right. But like, if you're a running back, you're a running back. But like, some of the, I don't have like a fullback type dude. That guy's an H back. So now he has to be able to do different things. You know, a lot of guys that were, uh, you know, age back tight ends, O line, smaller guys like you know me and you. Now they're yeah. playing defense. Yeah, you know, exactly. like they, yep. they have to change their body to yeah. play this position. So, uh, you know, we've had a lot of quite a few position changes uh, and, uh, and opportunities for guys to to showcase their ability. Uh, where you know I can put four receivers on the field rather than two or one. So now we're got a little bit more athletic. Does that okay. make sense? Totally. Uh, so, no, man. Yeah. Uh, so that, that's pretty much the sum of it all is position changes and really just straight teaching, man. And guys, they've done a great job of just being able to internalize and work, work hard at it. I'm glad you got that spring ball in coach and you got the, I mean, that's huge. I mean, I think that, like you said, I yeah. mean, that, that was huge in, in the development and getting ready for next year, but let's, let's talk about something, you know, kind of serious here. You, you mentioned coach, um, coach Robinson was a really like a, a figure for you, a steadying figure oh. when you're going through tough times. And all my listeners know, like I, I grew up in kind of a dysfunctional house with like my dad and stuff. And so when right. I got to Austin, I was really looking for a male role model, father figure types. And, and gotcha. coach Kitterman was my guy. He's coach McCune's, you know, re replacement after McCune. Oh left. yeah. I know coach Kitterman. You really know, coach well. Kitterman. Okay. Yeah. So coach Kitterman, 
changed my life, man, really. And yep. so I, I love him. He's my favorite coach ever. And so I just, I love coaches, man. Even though I'm not a coach anymore, I do broadcasting. I do podcasting. Like everything I'm centered around is like just celebrating coaches. Now that I'm doing right. broadcasting though, and I'm in the stands, sometimes at these games, I hear some of the stuff coming out of the stands and it just really pisses me off. You know, some of the negativity, yeah, right. whether it's at coaches or players or officials, I hate that part of the game. Like to me, athletics is saving kids. It should all be celebrated, positive. So you've been doing this for a long time, man. You've been in leadership roles, lots of different parts of the city. Can you give us any, any things you've observed over the years? Like if you've seen some negative behaviors and like, what, what can we do to try to make that better and make athletics just a positive experience for everybody? Well, like I said before, I said a few times, it's like, you got to control what you can control. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I kind of control our attitudes and, and relationships with the kids. Relationships is paramount mm -hmm. bottom line. You know, we got to have crucial and hard conversation with kids and be honest with them, you know, but I don't ever want my coaches. I want my coaching staff to coach hard, right? Yeah. I want them to coach hard, but I want them to, to build relationships even harder. Like I don't ever want my guys to get on a kid and not, you know, that kid go home without get you know, you know, coming back to that kid and like, this is why I got on your butt. Right. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So I feel like, if we, it's always been about the kids and the relationships and doing right by them, right? You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, we're not going to reach every kid and every kid is going to, there's going to be things that happen. But if we can reach 90, 95% of them and they understand why we're doing some things and, 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 you know, foster that team mentality, right? It'll translate over to the parents sometimes, right? Yeah. So I try to include the parents like, hey, uh, you know, you're a stakeholder. I need you. So I tell my parents, like at Grand Oaks, man, I need you in this program. I want you here, but just know you're not a decision maker. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yep. I'm I'm the CEO. You're <laughs> on the board, right? I need your input. I need you to bring your kid to practice. I need you to pick them up on time. I need you to donate, right? I need you to take them to yeah. stuff and do this stuff. But I, you don't get to decide, you know, what plays are called or like or that kind of stuff. You know what I'm saying? I promise you, it's all about trust and relationships, man. If they trust us to do right by them, and then by God, we got to do right by them. It's important, you know. So. That has changed in my mentality because it was all about transactional relationship early in my career. Mm. Like, I need you to do this so we can win, so I can win and do this. Sure. But as I've gotten older, hey, we're going to win. Uh, but first, we need to build relationships and make sure these kids want to play for us and do right by them and, and, and see their growth and get better every week. Don't worry about winning games. That's going to come. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But as long as we do right by them and the parents feel like, hey, we're having a positive experience here. now. You're not going to please everybody. Right? Sure. You're not going to please everybody. Right. Right. And I, since I have been coaching, I've probably seen more of the uh, the, the me aspect, right? Yeah. Win with my kid and 10 others, right? Yeah. Everybody yeah. talks about that. Like, man, to be honest with you, like, it's just – I want all kids to play. The game dictates that play, right? I don't yeah. – you know, the kid coach – like, I I want to be able to call every play like the, the Houston Texans can run. But yeah. some, the Houston Texans do different stuff because – all of them are pros. Yeah. There might be not a single pro on the field at one time, right? Yeah. So people really have no idea what it takes to get to Saturday or Friday night. Does that make sense? Sure. They yeah. think that we just go to practice and we can, man, I got a, the kid that you think can run that route can't even, you know, doesn't know left or right. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Yeah, he's fast, they, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, yeah. they have no idea. So, like, they're just talking out both sides of their mouth. You know, they have no idea. So it is frustrating when you're in here to be like, hey, that's why I tell them, 
hey, you want to come to practice? You're more than welcome to come to practice every day. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. I think you didn't know the kid that, that you're yelling at for dropping that ball that, you know, maybe his grandma died on Monday and sure. here he is on Friday. Sure. Does sure. that make sense? Like, yeah. The yeah. Kid, people have no idea. So it's kind of comical. I don't ever see it changing, man. I think uh, I think uh, society today is all about, you know, me, 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 uh, you know, uh, Twitter, Twitter and, you know, blessed to receive and stuff like that. And I promote it. I love it. But also, you know, it's just the reality of it is that it's still less than 6% of all high school players are going to play college football. Yeah. Not everybody on the team, unless you're at Duncanville or DeSoto or something, maybe Ridgepoint. <laughs> not, a, not everybody's going to go get a there's – not, there's not 40 dudes every senior is going to get a college scholarship. It's just not going to happen. You know, uh, I want – everybody's road is different. Uh, but, you know, it's really just a selfish deal, man. You know, I, you know, I've been doing this a long time. I've been assistant for eight years, and I've been a head coach now for – for 12, mm -hmm. you know, and it's, it's definitely getting harder. Um, and not only administratively, but in the stands, the, the yeah. demands, the expectations, man, people are just super selfish, man. And yeah. I don't I don't know how to correct it. So I just correct. I just try to teach the young ones, you know, like, Hey, I like that. If, yeah. if, if the kids like us and we do it right by them and we're working the dog out of them and they see the work of it. And then they'll go home and tell maybe their mom and dad, like, Hey, coach Kovo is a great guy. You know what yeah. I mean? How about you yeah. should talk to them? talk about them that way you know what i'm I, saying or like yeah that kind of stuff man i think that's great stuff coach i mean you're, you're right i mean i, I do want to talk to coaches i do feel like we're, we're kind of falling back as a society a little bit but you're right man just invest in the next generation and we can we can swing it around we can we can do yeah. it so yeah and like just know that. people are selfish man they're going to be selfish so if i know the rules of the game well then i know how to play you know what i'm yeah. saying so like i just know that's going to be that's why i'm always like hey uh, yeah i want i want to run that play too but I got to be able to protect the player. I got to be able to, mm -hmm. hey, and I always put on the kids a lot, man. It's like, you got to make that play. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you can't miss that tackle. You can't drop that ball. You got to make that block. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you got to be able to do it. You know what I'm saying? Like, so, you know. No, nah, man. L lots of good stuff, man. I love I love the things you share. I love your CEO mentality. I think that's a good thing, you know, to think about, like, that you're running a Fortune 500 company, parents of the board members. Yeah. I think that's really – I've never heard it phrased that way, you know, and I, I really yeah, like man. that. Yeah. So like, that's where I think about it. You know, I have a business degree, so I've never been in a business model, but th and this is as close to running a business as I'm probably ever going to get. You know Absolutely. what I'm saying? Yeah. So I gotta, you gotta hire good people, let them do their jobs, man. You know, and then inspect what you expect. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, good stuff. Now, just for some of the fun stuff here, you said it, we always ask like if you've met celebrities and stuff and you said you've met all kinds of people. Shane Leckler is a good friend of yours. I don't know where the connection is. Like, I can't wait to hear this. How, how are you and Shane Leckler buddies? So uh, his so it all started with softball, right? Okay. So my, oh, okay. my daughter Ella plays softball. His daughters play softball. So Bailey right. and Emerson play softball with Ella, and not just at Foster. And Bailey and Ella are on the same are the same grade. Yeah. So man, I and uh, Shane when he retired from the Texans, you know they lived out there by near Foster at the time, uh -huh. and uh, you know we just got to know each other. He would come out and help our punters a little bit. You know, awesome. you just watch him. He's just so, so nasty at it. You know, he's just yeah. natural. You know, being from East Bernard, he's just right there all the time, you know. Uh, so, and then hanging out with him at games and softball, you know, uh, and just being around him, he's a great dude. You would never know. He's so unassuming that he's a Hall of, Hall of Fame guy, you know. Right. So, he's amazing, man. I love that. And then also, you okay, there's another big name here. You, you met Dave Matthews. Can you tell did, that man. story? I did, man. So, uh, when I was in the Coast Guard, you know, flying around and different things, uh, there was a guy, and I listened to, obviously, Dave Matthews, and, you know, for a while, uh, for, since high school, really. And uh, I'm sitting in an airport, 
and I see this guy walk by me. And, you know, and Dave Matt, you know, he had his beard and stuff like that. You yeah. could tell that he just got off the road or something. But he has that look. You know, I knew it was yeah. Dave Matthews. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, being the soccer that I am, it happened. You know, we just – I was like, that was Dave Matthews. So I turned around kind of followed him. Next thing I know, like, he's actually in the same terminal I am. We're not on the same flight, but we're kind of in the same area. So I kind of just sit next to him and say, hey, man, I hate to interrupt you, man, but are you Dave Matthews? And we just started tracking a conversation, man. That's he awesome. is as good as gold, man. Yeah. He was trying to be incognito. You know, but you, you, if you're a Dave Matthews fan, you know, you can see that. You know, I've always kind of wondered that, Coach. You know, is like, you don't want to, like, be, you don't want to make a big scene, you know, and be like, oh, it's Dave, because you, you don't want other people to come. But, like, that's probably a smart way to approach a celebrity. So what you did, just, like, real quiet, just like, hey, yeah. you're Dave Matthews, right? And then it's awesome to talk to you like that. Yeah, no, he was cool, man. He probably talked three or four minutes. Man, that's a long time to talk to somebody like that. Told me, you know, how much he loved his music and, you know, stuff like that. And I appreciate everything he does. Yeah, you know, that kind of stuff is like, uh, you know, I can hear, I, I understand his lyrics, and you know, every time he comes to the woodlands, I try to go. <laughs> you That's know what awesome. I'm saying? Like, uh, uh, but uh, yeah, man, he, uh, you know, I never want to, I, I never wanted to try to. I'm not a guy that's gonna be. I'm a fan out, but I'm not gonna do it in a sense that makes me look silly too. Yeah, you know sure. And and then the last one, you said you hung out with the entire band, the Roots, one night in Austin. Sounds like you were like backstage with the band. I mean, tell us this story, <laughs> brother. So they were playing at a. Uh, um, you know, the big festival in Austin, right? Was that Austin City Limits or whatever? Yeah. And yeah. so when we had, I specifically remember, we actually, it was during football season. So we scrimmaged that morning and the Roots were playing at like six o'clock at night at a venue in Austin. So me, uh, you know, the family at the time, we just got up and, and we drove to Austin and, hung, and, and we got tickets. So one of our friends, uh, family friends, is actually the sound engineer for the Roots. So he wow. set up everything. So man, I got to go backstage, yep. hung out with Black Thought and Quest Love. I mean, yeah. they've been my, they've been my number one hip hop band since 1995. Wow. So like, okay. Yeah, man, I still jam the roots yeah. every day. And so yeah. uh, they, everybody knows him as Jimmy, uh, you know, Jimmy Fallon's house band. Man, I know him as like yeah. straight out of Philly, you know, yeah. doing, uh, yeah. doing yeah. hip hop. You know what I mean? Like just one of the most uh, the first band that does their own instruments and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. You know, rap, hip hop artist uh, and and you know, hanging out with him, man. You know, DJ Jazzy Jeff was there. You wow. know what I'm saying? So it's yeah. like, whoa. You yeah. know, you know, it back in the green room, and uh, there's things that go on back there that you can't say. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> sure, <laughs> sure, sure. Just get introduced <laughs> to a different lifestyle a little bit, but uh, it was awesome, man. You know, we're just sitting at the, they they played. We hung out before they played, and then come back, and you're taking pictures, and you're hanging out, and just watching them eat, and hang out with their families, and then get ready to go party and stuff, man. It was amazing. Yeah. Oh man. Lo love that stuff. And then as far as your favorite teams, you say you're a Homer, you go for the Texans, Astros, Rockets, you know, you've been all over the nation. So H town pride is huge, man. So just, can you just speak to like your pride of Houston, man. Since you yeah, man, you know, like, um, you know, being, you know, obviously going to college in Connecticut, right. right. So everybody's a Patriots fan or a Giants fan. I've been in, I've been pretty much all up and down the Eastern seaboard, Canada, you know, Florida, California, being a softball parent, you know, I go everywhere. You know, there's something about being, you know, representing where you're from. You know what I'm saying? And so, you know, I'm not going to chase the Patriots when they had Tom Brady. or like, you know, I'm not going to chase the team. I'm not from, you know, I'm not from Seattle, so I could care less about the Seahawks, man. Right, but, like, right. one thing about what you'll find when you go across all the nation, not, not everybody is a college fan because not everybody goes to college. But yeah. everybody resonates with a pro team, particularly yeah. football, right? Yeah. So yeah. I'm not going to root for the Giants. I'm not from New York City. 
Right. I'm from Houston, man. Yeah, and yeah. our team, my God, is the Texans. Right. So, hey, well, I don't care if we're 0-10 or 16-0 or whatever. I'm going to represent the Texans, man. And just how it is. The Astros, the Rockets. So, if you're going to be a home, I'm a homer. So, it is what it is. And now, obviously, it's a lot better when we win, right? The sure. Texans are good. Astros are really good. So, everybody's wearing Astros gear. Rockets, you know, they're falling off a little bit. You know, Dynamo, whatever. But, man, I represent Houston everywhere I go, man. I love this city. I love the food. I love the culture. I love going out and celebrating. I love everything that is to do with Houston, man. All the different neighborhoods. Uh, you know, I, I've been here for, what, 40 years, and I still uh, experience new things every time we go out yeah. downtown. You know, the yeah. Heights, East downtown, Montrose area, downtown, yeah. you know, Sugar Land. Shoot, even, you know, it's not necessarily Houston, but being in the Woodlands is amazing. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, yeah, I just love everything that is Houston, man, and uh, I'm proud to be from here. And and I just, everywhere I go, I'm gonna represent if they give me the opportunity. Amen, brother, man. Love that. Now, last thing, coach, I'm gonna put you on the hot seat here for a couple Mount Rushmores. We always do Mount Rushmores, right. top four all, all right. time. As an Austin Bulldog, I remember looking at those names on that on those pictures on the wall, man. And it's I, I have yeah. a feeling I, I think I can guess some of these guys. You mentioned Charles Burton. I'm sure he's one yeah. of them. He was awesome. Yeah. But can you give us like your kind of your original Austin Bulldog football Mount Rushmore? Your top four Austin Bulldog football players from that late nineties era. Yeah. So I'd probably number one would probably Charles Burton. I mean, he was the yeah. first quarterback and then yep. he ended up going to going to Syracuse, had a great career. You know, um, we probably the next one would probably be, you know, I, growing up in them, you know, obviously Devar and the, the Darling brothers, sure. right? That's yeah, two, yeah. Three. And they were they were that kind of put them on the spot, yeah. right? And then, you know, we weren't as good as they, and I would probably say the next best guy to ever come out of of Austin High School is Jerry Hughes, right? I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like he's still yeah. playing football for the Texans, yeah. you know. And so, like, he was a guy that I watched play when I was a coach at Bush. That's right. Yep, that's right. If I had to put the four guys from Mount Rushmore, you know, I I I could give you names of guys I played with, but they'd be like, who? But those four dudes, like, are really set the tone for, like, that area and what Austin High School was about that I remember. Love it. No, great choices, man. Four, four awesome choices there. And then just, for, just to give some flowers, man, cause you were there for a decade, just, you know, maybe some foster parent fans are tuning in, man. Some, you know, could you, can you give us a foster? I know it's going to be hard because you had some great players, but uh, could you give us a foster Falcons Mount Rushmore, your top four all time foster Falcons? Yeah. I mean, that's, it's tough, man. Yeah. It's really tough. I would probably say number one is a uh, CD lamb. Yeah. You know yes. I mean? Uh, great kid. Obviously, he plays for the Cowboys, number eighty-eight. Everybody yeah. knows that. But just to watch him grow and the and and become the man that he is and the, the community around him have been awesome, right? So that's why number one. Uh, number two is a guy named Robert Lemus. Man, he he reminded me of like a lot of myself and probably you, man. An undersized yeah. kid, yeah. Uh, but a great family. But played like he was six six two forty all it. the time. And he, yeah, I mean he was a, one of the better linebackers we've ever had. Just an awesome, great kid. Uh, you know, he's I think he's in construction or something. He just graduated, you know, from college not too long ago. I mean, he's living his life, man. Great family. Yeah, uh, he's a kid that I always talk about with just yeah. heart and ability. And he he's probably playing at, if he was six two, you know, rather than five seven, he's probably sure. playing somewhat big. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the third one uh, on the top of my head is probably Alex Remark. He was the quarterback for our state semifinal team. Okay. Yep. Great family, man. Moved from Colorado as a freshman. Wow. You okay. Know, Valor, Valor Christian, whatever, and came to Foster. Uh, and 
he was our quarterback for the last two years, uh, 15 and 16, led us 14 and one with CDNM. Mm-hmm. And it was just an amazing human being. He currently is a, a high school coach at Chris Corpus Christi Veterans Memorial. Awesome. Man, he married his high school sweetheart, man. He's just a great human being, man. Yeah. Like, uh, he made me a better coach because he challenged me uh, because his thirst for knowledge and just want to yeah. made me service him. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he made me a better coach. And I don't know if I made him a better player, but <laughs> <laughs> I say probably number four is a guy uh, that nobody knows about, man. But like, I really, really liked a, a kid named Chandler Spice. Okay. Uh, Chandler Spice was, was a receiver opposite of CD. And CD got all the the, the net fame and notoriety. Yeah. But like really, Chandler Spikes was the Wes Welker, the, the workhorse. Too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Other yeah. size, super tough, ran great routes. Uh, you know, took a chance on himself uh, and, and went to Texas State, you know, and, and walked on there. Uh, by the time he was like a fifth year guy, I mean, I think he just graduated. Yeah. Um, he was a full ride scholarship guy. That's awesome. You know, and one of the team captain, one of the guys that would, you know, he's like a Rudy type guy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But he was a heck of a player, heck of a human being. Uh, he made me a better coach and made us a better football program and team. So if I had to pick those four just off the top of my head, man, it, it's really about 500 of those kids. Man. I know, yeah. You know I saying? always feel bad doing this, man, but it, it just, it's uh, kind of fun too. But, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Well, Because we've well, had man, really great kids, man. Yeah. Really you, great kids. I, I totally get it, man. I could tell. I could tell playing against you guys, you know, it just – you, you guys had that kind of program, man. So no doubt. really loved reminiscing with you today, coach. Again, if you, if y'all have enjoyed it as much as I did, give us that five-star rating, please. That's going to help more people find this show, hit the follow button to subscribe and hear new episodes as soon as they come out each Sunday. And you can follow me on Twitter at coach underscore Kovo. That's coach underscore K O V O join the team player revolution. Hit us up with any feedback or guest recommendations. And we lift up our own here inside the team player nation. So just email us teamplayerpodcast at gmail.com or DM me on Twitter with a story of a coach that made a difference in your life. And we will get them on here. As always, the cover art music for the team player podcast is provided by two of my former players. The cover art is by Kaiser St. Cyr and our intro and exit music is one more good enough from Avery on self-titled debut album. You can find his music on all platforms by searching for Avery on that's A V R I O N. Coach Sean McDowell, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Man, thank you, man. It's been a pleasure. All right. Thank you so much to all the team players out there for your support, and we'll catch you all down the road. It always feel like I need one more boy and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head. Lost my mind, insuring them, I'm just fine, I'm good enough, but I need one more boy, one more line, record the track just one more time, my family think I bumped my head, lost my mind, insuring them, I'm just fine, I'm good enough, but I need one more boy, one more line, record the track just one more time, my family think I bumped my head, lost my mind, insuring them, I'm just fine, I'm good enough, but you be told I need some therapy, initially ain't do it voluntarily, but 